Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. Our co-founder and CEO here at Influential You, John Patterson, is in the studio as well, and you'll get to hear from him in a bit. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome Amy Davis to the Influential You podcast. Amy Davis is the Managing Director at TaxWealth Incorporated. TaxWealth Incorporated is a tax analysis and solutions research company that supports financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys, and real estate professionals to proactively create the right solution for their clients' specific tax challenges by compliantly leveraging U.S. tax laws. She lives in Claremont, California with her husband, Justin, and is a very proud, <laughs> she's a very proud mama of two children, Miranda and Sawyer, who I think we may talk about a little bit on today's podcast. Please join me in welcoming Amy Davis to the Influential You podcast. Hi, Amy. Welcome. Thank you so much, Josh. It's a pleasure to be here with you and John. To let our listeners hear a little bit more about who you are and what you do in your own words, could you talk to us a little bit about what you do at Tax Wealth Incorporated? Absolutely. Um, well, Tax Wealth, the tax code is for every taxpayer. And um, quite often, it's the IRS and the tax code is viewed as an enemy. And I'd say that the tax code can help you find some really good ideas to help your business succeed. And so a lot of times in the culture, in the current, there's a conversation of how um, high net worth individuals, corporations get these great deals. And the fact of the matter is, is that you could be getting those great deals too. Mm. If you were proactive in your strategy, if you understood tax code and law and put those same codes and same laws uh, to work for your specific situation. It's a great way to leverage and grow your wealth. Mm. That's great. It's fantastic. Well stated. And we'll go ahead and put the link to the website for people that need to get those resources. And if you're listening to this in podcast format, you can see this link in the show notes. Amy, I had the joy of meeting you about the beginning of your Fundamentals of Transaction program. And I believe you and I took some time to get to know each other on the campus back when we were using Verbella for a campus. And you and I went <laughs> to the lighthouse and had these conversations. Can you tell me and tell our listeners that are listening, what was life like before you started studying at Fundamentals of Transaction with Influential You? Tell me a little bit about what life was like before we were avatars on the beach in a weird world. <laughs> that was my favorite. Yes, long long talks on the beach in a video game. Um, <laughs> life before Fundamentals of Transaction, I'd say, was incredibly reactionary in, mm. in so many of the domains of life. 
uh, as I look back, so that retrospective of what was like before uh, having this framework to operate within, uh, reactionary is a great word. And I'd say that uh, upon assessment, looking backwards, I was probably ambitious in my aims or had clear aims in my primary relationship with my husband and with my relationships with my kids. My intentions for both of those were really well thought out, I think. They were ambitious, they were clear, but it was, I think it struck me as odd that that didn't follow me into my professional life. That didn't follow me into my sociality when it came to external groups. I operated in a significant amount of naivete and even despair in in some of these areas where you just don't want to look at it you know this is my intention this i think i'm this person but i don't think the marketplace thought the same thing and mm. uh i i saw i think i felt a lot of frustration um because what i said i was about didn't match in what what the results yeah yeah i i love this because first of all you represent a huge chunk of people who one either they're really ambitious in a particular area of their life and then they don't understand why that doesn't translate over to other areas and secondly i i love that you're here as a mom um you know uh, i can hear the I, I can hear how ferocious uh you must have been you know with making sure your kids had an amazing life and and still do and and uh with your husband as well um, I'm interested in a part of your journey where I know you were dealing with just being a woman, a mother, and making a living. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, it's the it's the great working mom paradox where right. you know you are fully mom and you are a working woman and you have both to manage. Um, you feel like somehow you're failing. Uh, in both and succeeding in both at the same time. So it's this paradox. Um, as far as satisfaction, I would come home from work into an environment that I felt such gratification. Um, I had ambition not to be that snowplow mom to make everything work for my kids, but to prepare them for life, to get right. them ready to be. Um, and it was it's my aim and intent and still is now that they will be a net contribute contribution to society. Um, they know that they have that, they have fully taken that on and are going that direction. And I'm here to support, I'm in consultate consultative role. Now <laughs> I am out of the management position. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And, and I just have a follow-up question to this too, because, you know, uh, growing up for myself, I grew up in a household where, my dad was the primary breadwinner. My mom was a, a mom. She took care of us. She did work from time to time, but there were six kids. So we were a handful. Um, and she said mostly she was just doing laundry 24 seven. But <laughs> nowadays, so nowadays, um, I'm very clear that for a mother, there's a different world that they've grown up into and have to be accountable for. Um, I remember feeling uh, when my dad told me that it was my job to make the living, he kind of sat me down and said, you know, it's going to be your job 
This is back in 1960-something. It's going to be your job to make the living. Uh, I felt like it was a life sentence, and I was, you know, I had no other role except to go be the breadwinner. But but here you are, and I know many people, whether or not they're moms or dads, they're dealing with raising a family and being a breadwinner all at the same time, and the toll that that must take. Is there anything else that we should know about that before we get into what's happened since? But anything we should know about that world? So I think I would offer the, I came up during a time where being a working mom, there was actually starting to be a structure underneath that. People were welcoming women into the work, work workplace. They were championing them in roles. Um, the term just a wife and mother would be utilized. And I would offer that the reason that women's rights came into place was for women to have that choice, the option. And there is a way to, it doesn't necessarily mean you get it all at the same time because that's not possible um, in a lot of ways, but you can have a full life with wife, mother, and then career individual. All of that is is withheld in the same space of mm -hmm. Amy, right? Of the individual. And that is, it's really understanding. And I think through some of my study, all of these aspects are wound up into one thing. And it's not just something. It's the thing plus the other identity plus the other identity. It's a facet. Mm -hmm. um, that is that is my understanding. And I'm, I'm ever deepening and growing and understanding what that means. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm, I'm always, as you can already hear, probably uh, the listeners, you can probably hear what Amy's saying, and she's very poetic. I think we may have lost somebody. Did it freeze for you? Because I heard I'm poetic. And I appreciate that, Josh. I think that in my conversations with you and John and Kirkland and all the other groups that I've been part of through Influential You, um, it's caused me to really think more deeply and artfully maybe. Oh, we're back, can, there we go. Can, can you hear me now? <laughs> I was totally vamping there for a minute. Did you, did you kill it? We were really hoping that you were able to get a bunch of new listeners for us, but thank you so much for helping me. Uh, I'll, I'll read some of the poetry that you uh, put in your pre-show notes. And you said this. This is how it felt when it came time to like sign up and, and, and sign up for the fundamental transaction. You felt you were responsible, proactive, and all about action. You were baffled that it was not making any progress in your career. Your hard work was not paying off. It was frustrating exercise in playground equipment, merry-go-rounds, teeter-totters, and balance beams that you were always falling from. Can you tell us a little bit more about the story of, of leading up to kind of saying, yes, I need to take this program? What was that journey like? Um, I think it was a lot of, I think I'm this person in the marketplace, but I don't think the marketplace saw me as that, yeah. um, as that thing. And so it was really having an accurate assessment 
of my identity, uh, how others perceive my identity, because I've really become super present to the thought that it doesn't matter what I say about myself. It really doesn't. <laughs> um, it matters what you say about me. And if what you say about me helps me reach my aims, or if it doesn't. Yeah. And with the fundamentals of transaction, I was really given a framework to understand the silence I was receiving in response to my offer in the marketplace. Right. Right. And so the framework that had you see why that was happening, what did you discover? What were some of the first things you started to do differently or attend to in some different ways? Uh, well, the transaction cycle, I mean, it sounds really simple, but because I have that personality that's really more aligned with producer, I would just jump into action and get things done. People didn't have to notice that there was a breakdown. They didn't have to assess who they would need to fill or fix or provide a solution for that breakdown. They didn't have to ask me to be the one. If there was a breakdown, I could see it coming from a mile away and I was jumping in there fixing things. Right. And they didn't they didn't even know I they had a problem. Right. So in other words, in all the transactions where you were a part, people weren't aware of your value because you sort of handled problems before they became before people knew. So the value yeah. that okay. <laughs> So how did you yeah. start to how did you have start to begin to have people recognize the value of the solution you were to certain breakdowns? Yeah, I'd let them experience the breakdown. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I love that. It's so smart. <laughs> so smart. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> he says that, but the second that I let the breakdown happen, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh no, it's really good. No, it's really good because you know, in any transaction, all I have to do is produce a breakdown and then suddenly, you know, you can offer solutions. Anyway, that's that's really, that's really good. Beautiful. Um, and Amy, another thing that you said that you learned that was I thought this, this was just so good. It gave you the language and a way to evaluate your world. And you began to distinguish what you could affect and what was affecting you in health, career and relationships. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So instead of dealing with things as they showed up as breakdowns for me, like when health created a breakdown, it was, oh, see, it's because you weren't paying attention to that. And it gave me some language for what are the structures and environments I'm building to support my health goals? Where's the help that I'm, where am I transacting for help? Am I getting good help, the right help? Am I seeing that produce my aims, my stated aims? So none of that, <laughs> and I know this sounds like so elementary, but none of that was really present in my world. I was knocking on doors. That's not the one knocking on doors. That's not the one. Where am I going to find my good help? And until I started to think about it in a way that um, through this language helped me say, I helped me to identify where a breakdown was going to occur, then decide where would I find good help? Then request and transact for that help. You know, it was a, it was an actual aha light bulb moment where 
I had a structure to operate within that produced better results for me, more immediate results. Um, yeah. You know, in the areas of my life that I said I stated, uh, I had stated aims, I got immediate feedback, right? But in your area, when something broke down with my husband, with my kids, if something breaks down, it's loud. It's a obvious. <laughs> um, when something breaks down in your health, that can take time for it to show up. Right. When something breaks down in your career, that can take time to show up. So it's really getting to a place of identifying where am I breaking down? And in, in the fundamentals of transaction, I was breaking down every single time in contract. Mm -hmm. Wow. Every time. So, so you recognize that. So let's, for our listeners, I'm going to say something about that. Um, so transaction cycle includes eight different exchanges and many people find themselves with strengths or weaknesses in many of the different exchanges. And oftentimes what happens is somebody begins the fundamentals of transaction program and realizes that their transactions tend to break down in a similar place again and again and again. So you recognize that the part of the transaction cycle that breaks down is contract. And yep. what about that contract would break down? Were there terms missing? Was there a contract missing? Was there oh, yeah. um, some scope of work missing? What was missing in that agreement or commitment that you would make in your transactions? Oh my gosh, just all of everything you just said. <laughs> all of it. Were you one of those people that went to work without a contract? Is that? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We, don't, oh, yeah. we don't have clearly defined terms. You have a need. I can fill that need because, you know, some, right. some might call that that unconscious competent when there's a problem. I can't tell you how to do it, but I can fix it yeah. or right. So and I think that's that part that really came back to bite me every single time, because, yeah. again, I wouldn't let them run off that cliff without me as a parachute. Right. That's right. Instead mm -hmm. of them asking for me to be the parachute. <laughs> right. All right. So you're in, the fun, you're in the fundamentals of transaction. You start to recognize this. And so I imagine you began to construct agreements or pay attention to them or what, what happens now? Yes. I got a lot of great insight from my instructors and in study group. Um, and they helped me get, see areas where I could clarify my language where yeah. I could back up in the process and say, I'm sorry, I have not defined this well. Let's go back and, and talk about what I will be doing and yeah. how that will be done and by when are you in agreement that this is what should happen and here's what you can do and what I need you to complete and by when. And yeah. with that conversation, came an assessment of value and that created much better noticeable results noticeably better results i i love kind of the way that you're describing these things and how it's leading to this next question because you got here kind of self-actionally waiting for people to kind of notice your work notice some of those things and then in your show notes you actually said something to the extent of I got so much help and you started and I, without putting you on the spot and making you forget anybody. Can you list some of the people you studied with? Cause I know you as an avid studier 
And I'd love to hear some of the value of studying with other people, the mentors, program leaders. Can you tell me about that experience and what results came from some of that? Or even how you found out about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That part we'll get back to, too, because I can't wait to talk about how you found <laughs> out about us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in the in the trend, in my fundamentals of transaction, I had a, an incredible study group um, one and they were spread all over the globe from Germany to England to Toronto to New Zealand and places in the U.S., which was phenomenal. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of one individual in particular who thought deeply and took time to digest and dissect and really dig deep. Jasmine Platt um, yeah. who was part of my group. Uh, we had Marnie as an instructor. Um, both of those women just think deeply and made themselves available for conversations, uh, helped me think things through. Uh, because my initial introduction to the ecology was virtual, I was doing things via avatar. I was, in, <laughs> I was so struck by how open and uh, generous the the environment of the people in this environment are. They are willing to listen. They are willing to speak back, and to uh, pin you up against a wall when it's necessary. Um, and I love that. I mean, that is great. That I got a study group for about a year with Michael Van and Peter Burgraff. And I feel like I just, how did, how did Winnie the Pooh land in this particular honeypot? Because that was phenomenal. Wow. Um, you know, there was a, there was another gentleman in your group, right? I think it was one of our oldest uh, participants. Uh, is it Brandon? Hollenbeck. Brandon he was Hollenbeck there for, was yep. Yeah. Oh, that's he was. Fun. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and I, I, so I met them because it was a breakout session and during one of the virtual conferences and Michael Van's avatar looked over at me like a little puppet. And I, I looked over at him and said, Hey, let's, let's go ahead and go back up over here and talk with these guys. And we're going to go through these exercises together. And that became a study group which from oh, which man. I benefited tremendously. Oh, that's good. That's kind of what happens at our, our live conferences as well, as you now know. Yes. Uh, tend to, yeah. And you were just a, in a live conference in, in Cabo. How was that for you? Jaw-droppingly phenomenal. It was. I Say more. Go on. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> if you get a chance, sorry, I've got a hair in my mouth. If you get a chance to actually attend a live event, especially now after attending virtual events and now this live event. I can't wait to uh, participate at the annual conference in Hollywood um, to see people face-to-face, -face, the energy, the um, camaraderie, the ideas, the insight um, people will give just from sharing their experience in their professional or personal domains um, and how that translates, the ideas that you just, it's just electric, that you just kind of fire off of each other and you come away from those with ideas to implement in your life, your relationships, your sociality, your health, your career, all of these things that you thought, I'd never thought of it that way. I have got to try this. Right. And 
you have so much material to try. It's just, it's like this well that you can continue to draw from. It's wonderful. It's so right. good. I, I love that for you because I know how hard it is yeah. or how, how much you study. And then I also know that producer mindset and that mentality of being included and being included with those study groups and how much that enhanced it. That makes me so happy because it feels like um, from what I know about you, sometimes finding people that want to study on that level can be very uh, tricky. And so I really love that. And if you're just joining us, this is one of the hardest studiers that I know at Influential You, Amy Davis with Tax Wealth Incorporated. And we thank you so much for joining us and listening. Amy, how did you, who was the person that introduced you to Influential You? My longtime friend, uh, Paul Adams. We, we, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we started working together uh, in, oh gosh, I think it was 2008, nine. <laughs> so worked together professionally in a big agency on the West Coast and he mentored me in a lot of ways. He said hard things to me mm -hmm. with kindness. Like he had, he had kindness. It came from a place of here's, here's a mirror. Is that what you want? And if it's not, mm -hmm. consider this. Yeah. So that year, I think it was 2019, 2020, when he said, hey, um, I'm going to be at this annual conference coming down from Seattle to an annual conference in Ojai. Would you like to join us for the for the dinner? It's open to guests. I said, absolutely. And I got a chance to experience uh, the group of people that build, you know, make up the community inside of Influential You. And I was really drawn to engaging further after that one experience. Mm. And when Paul, when Paul says something or makes a recommendation in my life, I take him seriously. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, listen, um, you're such a phenomenal example of something on, on many fronts as a working mother, uh, as someone who's moved uh, their transactional competence quite a lot. You know, the, the needle has moved quite a lot. So as I understand it, as a producer personality, you aren't making your value known. You're solving problems before people know about them. Start to let the problems happen. Come in and save the day, I'm assuming. But you also start to recognize that where your transactions fall apart is in contract. You start to put that in. Um, by the way, that's a just a big, big deal, especially for producers. Producers, if you're listening, just want you to know, Producers are notorious for um, scope creep. In other words, there's the scope of the contract. If they think to even put it in, and they'll gladly help in any way they can outside the scope of the contract because that's what a producer does for value is to get uh, to offer help, right? So scope creep's a big deal if you're a producer, so don't do that. Um, now, here you are. You're on the other side of this. The results that you produced in the first year of participation. I, I think I read 50% more. How much more income did you make in the first year? Yeah, I, and I honestly, when I sat down and had my introductory call with Drew, it was it was like, this is what you'll see. And I thought, mm-hmm, okay. 
And then, (laughs) (laughs) well, okay. This was not, this is not the first professional development program I have participated in. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just like to say that, um, it is the most effective, um, it delivers what it says it's going to deliver. If you do, if you engage in the, in the content. So yeah, 50% in the first year. So I said, all right, let's try map one. (laughs) And, (laughs) and it doubled again. I I had made my last year's by June of this year. So it was like, um, okay. I see the value. It's, it's continually um, producing actual value in my world in a way I can measure in a way that my family can experience and observe. So it's not just my assessment, right? I'm not just saying, Hey, this is real. My bank's saying this is real. Uh, and Amy, you might be the perfect person to do this for us because of your uh, worldview, that objective nature of a producer, because a lot of people hear that and they go, oh, like mystical, magical, like mystery tour. Like, how does that happen? Can you give sort of a, a pragmatic, hey, the nuts and bolts, this is how I prove value. Do you have anything like that that you were like, this, this is how I made more money? Yeah. Like, this is how it happened. And I, just I did what? What'd ob- you do? Objectively, like happy to hear exactly how that went down for you. Yeah. So I started to let people experience breakdowns when I didn't jump in. I started to contract more effectively, um, be more clear with my contract. Um, I still battle the creep, you know, the, the ability to do more in the scope of work. That's still something I have to work on, but I, I stick more closely to the contract. Um, and then I do things like measure the results. I, when I'm done with the labor work and action of something, I tend to just kind of let it sit there. Um, the thing that changed for me during this process was I started to evaluate at the end of the transaction. Is that the outcome I wanted? Or is that, was that what I said I wanted? Um, if it's not what broke Mm. and it gave me a, a, it gave me a way to look back and accurately evaluate what I was saying is what I would, what I was saying I would produce is actually what was being produced. Yeah. And that was tremendously helpful. And so it sounds like you demonstrated your value in some additional ways. Did you then begin to raise your prices? Did you begin to then show other people what you could in fact produce? And here's the evidence. How did you start to actually make more? Um, I started to engage in conversation, in negotiation. That is not something I'm comfortable in. Mm. Uh, it's not something that I'd say I have an insane amount of competence in. Um, probably one of the, the most effective questions when I was working to uh, increase the, the financial uh, outcome in my world was, do you think I am being compensated adequately for the work I am doing? Mm. And that question produced a realization and that changed my reality through negotiation. So I'd say that that was probably one of the bigger ways to, to really engage in negotiation. It's a conversation. It's not this 
two Wall Street tycoons sitting on it across from each other and really hashing it out and trying to get the best deal. It's a, here's what you need. Here's what I need. How can we make this work? Right. Ah, did you, did you map out that transaction? I did. <laughs> okay. Cool. I did. I just, I knew she was the right person to ask. One more question for you that I think, did this also spread? Cause I know you're very involved in community groups and different, and different things like that. Did you also feel a spread on this in the way that you moved in maybe the groups or in your family? What were the, I guess, byproducts or what were the products that were produced from your study? Is there anything like that that you can point to? Um, I'd have to say that, well, yes, <laughs> this, I have used my little world as like the, the test world for all of these, all of the things I'm learning here. So I'll, I'll try it out with my, my relationship with my husband, just in negotiation and conversation and communication. And um, are you getting what you need? Am I getting what I need? What do we need to, sh to change or shift or how do we approach this? Mm. Um, we, we're definitely doing more of that. I think in my, conversations with both of my kids is they're really launching into this world is now more driven towards that consulting kind of idea that's hard to to transition from but at the same time i'm committed to creating people who can operate in this world without me and that um those conversations really do go towards career long-term uh, relationship when we evaluate people. So if you're asking how have these things kind of gone in different areas of my life, there's the family, uh, my friend group, and how I show up in uh, some of these other groups of people. It, it's more intentional. It's understanding that when I show up, I'm not just going to be there and we're going to all connect. And, and, you know, I walk out of here feeling good and you walk out of here feeling like what just happened? Yeah. Mm. Wow. It's it's walking into a social situation, understanding I I want to be the best listener. I want to make sure that people feel seen and heard. Um, and is that a reality? And I know it's reality afterwards if I continue to get reciprocal engagement from my community. Mm. If I'm not the only one reaching out because they're they want to be they want to be part of my environment and and that changes i think an orientation just about how to be in the world great that's so good so um i'm interested in hearing a little bit more about your thoughts on people and taxes so uh, this is yeah. where we give people a little bit of an opportunity to talk about that. And it's also a way for people to understand your specialization a little bit. So tell us about that. Well, um, so as I said at the beginning, you know, tax code, the IRS are oftentimes looked as at the enemy of businesses, of people with, with money to hold on to. Right. Um, I am, of the opinion that you probably will do more with your money, more good, more efficiently, more effectively with your money than uh, a government will. And not to say that our government is not worthy of your tax dollars. Absolutely, it's worthy. That's part of our social contract, right? We'd like to have paved roads, thank you very much. We'd like <laughs> right. to have educated citizenry. 
you know, all the good things. So thank you. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much for your tax dollars. And we'd like for them to go as be spent or used as efficiently as possible. That being said, I don't think that you are required to pay more than you need to, uh, because you're going to do a, a heck of a lot of good in your business, in your family, in your uh, world independently. It allows you to give to ch- the charities you'd like to give. So to be able to use that tax code to generate revenue, not just for the country, but for your world is really the goal of what the, of the work we do at tax wealth. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it is only a revenue generating opportunity for, for the government, for your business, um, prior to the new deal, at least after the new deal, historically speaking, social engineering kind of showed up through the new deal, right? We're going to give you tax breaks. If you're married, we're going to give you tax breaks. If you give to charity, we're going to give you um, a tax break if you own a home, right? So there is a, a certain amount of social engineering that was created in that tax code. And now for businesses, a lot of people think that to defer taxes or to use the charitable strategies, that's really for people like Mark Zuckerberg or um, the Gates Foundation or, you know, other people, the Rockefellers, <laughs> you're going right. to go ahead. The, the art of owning nothing, controlling everything is held within the tax code. The mm. art of using your money efficiently for your own world and supporting worthwhile causes that's held in the tax code now how do you grow your business because you're using your tax dollars more efficiently that's something that we help you study and we work with a network of um i think we're pushing 2000 cpas tax attorneys business and real estate brokers financial advisors across the nation that are able to prove these strategies in law, in code, so that the best solution is reached for your specific situation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Love it. Expert. Um, and we don't usually do this, but I'm going to do just 60 seconds, maybe a minute and a half. You once told me, and I'm going to call this my own soapbox moment, one of the best things I ever heard about being a mother and the goal of being a mother and raising children. Would you be open to standing up on a soapbox and talking about that? I think that's the only appropriate way to close this. Josh, I can't remember what I said because I gush yeah. about my kids and being what? a mom. And You mentioned that uh, the, the goal of being a mom is, is having a functioning adult? Oh, yeah. Human <laughs> flourishing, basically. When I would uh, sit down in, in mom's groups and, and the conversation would, I just want my kid to be happy. No, I don't want them to be just happy. Happy comes and goes. I want them to be content. I want them to be productive. I want them to be a net contributor to society. I want them to be about something meaningful in the world. And I want to support that because they see that as that's my, that's my legacy, right? That's my husband and my legacy. And if I am, if we are successful in growing these human beings, you as, as the rest of the world will be better off for it because I brought two people into the world that will leverage um, our values in the world. That's kind of how I saw it. I know that sounds kind of grandiose. Um, yeah, but that was from the jump. That's what I wanted. 
for mm, my kids. Right. Well, great. thank you for sharing that with us today. And Amy, we are so thankful that you were here on the podcast today. We're going to talk about you a little more and we will talk to you after the show. Um, John, there are so many things that I so that I can focus on what I want to say. What, what are you hearing in all that? Well, uh, uh, it's been said many, many times, but I think the, the best part of the lesson that Amy offers the world is if you're a producer personality, then you may be giving away the farm. Mm. You may be, uh, you may not be taking advantage of the value you actually contribute in the transaction. And so to recognize that she was, you know, uh, solving breakdowns before they happen to recognize that, you know, the scope creep as she calls it, or no contract at all. She just wants to help. You can hear she's just somebody that wants to help big, big heart wants to help. And like many people who want to contribute and help, they may not take care of themselves by making sure they're compensated appropriately. And yeah. so it's so great to hear that she is. And, you know, my hat's off to her. And I imagine she also didn't mention that she probably had some more declines in there than I think she probably had before. She probably had a little bit more language around declines and saying no to certain things yep. um, because it, it's kind of hard to do all those things, the negotiations without having that. I wrote down a few things, but I really like this idea that she wrote unconscious competent and to describe that kind yep. of, of movement. I also loved that she's someone who generally moves in self-action. And yet she found so much value out of the group setting about studying with other ambitious adults. And when she wrote in her notes, she said that a lot of those big moves in her money and moves in her relationships came from the study groups and the ways that other people interacted with right. what they were studying as well. And then the last thing I said is all of the roles that we have. And the fact that this isn't just a business education only, this is a life education in a lot of ways. How do I move in the different groups that I'm a part of? Because when we stop and focus on that, it's not just valuable for our employer. It's not just valuable for our job. It's valuable in every single community that we find ourselves in. And I could hear that uh, deeply in hers. Um, so that that was all the things. Anything to say about any of that? And I'd, I'd love a minute or so <laughs> of what you're thinking. I mean, you know... The promise of our entire curriculum is to be satisfied in all 15 conditions of life. Mm -hmm. um, and that means that you're deeply satisfied in all of them, you know, and you could hear at the beginning of a journey, there's this deep satisfaction in family, in a relationship, but not in other places. Or you could say she was well known and well respected in her family and relationships, but not out in the marketplace. And what she did is she she was able to begin to make sure she was satisfied in the conditions of life, money, career, activity, health, so many of them where before there was a struggle. And I think that's, you know, it's just my hat is off to her for being an example of what we teach. Yeah, I'm I'm a, a big fan of the Amy Davis, the Amy Davis, just like that, the Facebook, though. I don't I guess I talk like that, that. But Amy Davis, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. Uh, you have to meet her if you haven't connected with her on LinkedIn or checked out her website. Really important. I invite you all to do so because she is just one of the most lovely people I've met in a very long time. So, John, I'm going to go ahead and close us out today. And thank you so much for joining us on the Influential Podcast. Pleasure. Pleasure. Blast. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Influential Podcast. We are so glad that you are here. As you know, we do these every single week. And we hope that if you'd like to know more about us, that you can by going to influentialyou.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. 
We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential U, we recommend you start with Thrive. It's our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty, thought leaders, and industry experts. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences that you heard Amy talk about earlier today. Sign up today and use the promo code 20OFF, the promo code 20OFF, 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20OFF. Next week, we interview Olga Kipnis. Olga has been on a few podcasts with us over the last few years, and she has just completed our curriculum, and I'm looking forward to sharing her story with you. We hope you'll join us. Thank you so much for being here today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share this podcast with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any place you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads we talked about on today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the Influential You staff, faculty, and members all around the world with a special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and contributions from Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley, and a special thanks to our guest, Amy Davis. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC, in Ventura, California, and this episode was recorded on November 23rd, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere, And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment and go to iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. We'll see you next week on the Influential You Podcast.